0: On today's episode, we have my mother and father, Susan and Alan Trugman, and there's a few reasons that I was really excited for this episode. So one is, as the podcast name implies, uh, searching for meaning always starts with our upbringing, and I thought it would be really cool to let you all in to how I was brought up and what went into my upbringing. How did my parents decide what was important for me and my sister? It's also cool to see their love story as it evolved over time. They started out at different points in their life trying to figure themselves out. And a lot of you that are listening probably know the end result is that they're very happily married together and things seem, they might seem hunky-dory. I get that a lot as feedback from people. But what went into that was 30 plus years of going through tough stuff and learning and making mistakes. And it's just really powerful to hear what went into that. And my hope with this episode is that in your relationship, you'll see different ways that you can strengthen your bond. And uh, as you maybe are starting a family at some point, think about what's important to you and how do you want your kids to be raised. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I know that I did. Here are my mom and dad, Susan and Alan Trugman one more quick note before we dive into the episode there were some technical difficulties we scheduled this podcast recording on zoom and it broke up a couple of times but the core content remains just as good as initially recorded so there might be some times where it seems like we got cut off and jump around that's because it did get cut off and we did jump around a little bit but nevertheless please enjoy the episode Okay, we are live. Mom and
1: dad, welcome to my podcast, Mike Search for Meaning. <laughs>
2: Thank you. <laughs> it's, it's
1: very excited to be here, Mikey.
2: Yes, very excited.
1: Well, very excited to have you on. I've really been looking forward to unpacking our family history. And I was saying to you guys, I wanted this to kind of be like a how I built this episode our family edition. And it all started, I think it was 1986, with a newspaper ad. And so mom was the person who put the ads into the newspaper. I want to hear your version of it first, and then I'll kick it to dad.
2: Okay. So actually, before swiping right and left and all that stuff, there was something <laughs> called New York Magazine personal ads. So the New York Magazine personal ad was a way to meet other people that were young professionals in New York. And I had worked, um, I was working at the time at WPLJ. And there were a couple of, um, a bunch of us who were single and were having fun and going out together and doing things. And um, a couple of them suggested that I put an ad in to New York Magazine a personal ad so I sat down with a family friend named Wayne and he helped me craft this ad he said "Oh, put this in because it'll be it'll say this and put that in because it'll say that so I went ahead and I did it and uh when when dad answered the ad I mean I got a lot of responses Uh, But when he answered the ad, I brought his picture into work, and two of the women who had been bugging me to do it knew him. (laughs) So so it really, it it was kind of like a meant to be scenario. Um, So I called him, and we went out for drinks that turned into dinner, and the rest is history.
1: Do you remember exactly what the ad said? Yes,
2: I remember the headline. <laughs> I said, know that I
3: remember the headline. <laughs> yeah,
2: nothing ventured, nothing gained. Gained, and it basically described me that I was looking for friendship, eventual commitment. Um, that I was a busy person, but I would make time for fun and romance. And uh, he answered the ad. He, you know, he clearly read the ad and answered it. He hand wrote a note to me. And I liked that. And then, um, you know, the fact that some people knew him made it better because, you know, <laughs> you're going, you're going to meet somebody in a public place, of course, but you're going to meet somebody and you don't know them. It's a little, uh, scary. Um, but, um, I mean, I never did anything that was crazy, but, uh, but it was nice that they knew him and they actually told me he's very nice. You should go out with him. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what I did.
1: Okay. and Now I want to hear dad's version of the story. So you see an ad in the newspaper, nothing ventured, nothing gained. I guess that stood out to you, but what else struck you about it? And then kind of what was your side of the story to reaching out to mom?
3: Yeah, I, I don't remember the, the, the two things I remember with a headline, nothing ventured, nothing gained. And the other thing that we've always laughed about over the years, whenever this comes up, is, um, I'm busy, but I'll make time. <laughs> yeah,
2: we say that to each other a lot. <laughs> As a joke. So
3: I, a wink I, wink. I, if I recall, I think she got like 80 responses to that. Is that, 60, do you remember that too?
2: 60, 70, 60 something, 60 something. Oh, okay. a lot, so a, a lot. lot. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And then um, there was a place I was living in Fort Lee. She was, she had an apartment in North Bergen. Um, and we dis- when we met, it was at a bar called Picolissimo, which was a place in Fort Lee. Um, and then when we made the connection to meet, made the, the whatever you want to call it, you know, reservation appointment. <laughs> and um, so I was waiting at the bar, right? And as you know, uh, I'm a very punctual person and a very, uh, especially earlier in my life, a very impatient person. So Susie was like 45 minutes late and literally you wouldn't exist, Mikey, because I was, I was like steaming, right? She was late. You know, it's like half an hour. Then it's, and I said, that's it. I'm out of here. She's obviously hasn't left. And you know, when that, there's that old, uh, expression or thought that it was all right there at the beginning your mother <laughs> has never been a punctual person um so this was how we started
2: <laughs> And i just want to uh, say one thing i just want to <laughs> interject here with him if you are on time you're late i you know <laughs> that my cat escaped My cat got out, I had to go run around. And let me just interject here also that we did not have cell phones. So I couldn't text him or I couldn't call him and say, listen, I'm sorry I'm running late. Yeah.
3: This was the olden days, (laughs) no internet, (laughs) no cell phone. And um, there's another uh, thought that says there are no accidents. So the cat getting out, coincidence, I think not. (laughs) <laughs> anyway i i you know so she when she came in uh we sat at the bar and uh just had drinks we started talking my um anger completely went away because you know Susie suzy and we got into like a really good talk and had not planned it at all but because we were having such a good talk and we were immediately connecting uh it's not only a bar it's a restaurant And i said oh you know do you want to have some dinner so then we segued over to the dining room and had dinner and as she said the rest is history yeah so one thing that always struck me
1: and i'll always remember this is that mom was 45 minutes late and knowing how impatient you were dad that it, it really was some sort of fate I, it's hard to explain how you just knew to stay there and that things were going to work out but i would say well another, i didn't know that <laughs> yeah. for some reason you did it though you decided yes, to it was stay very and,
3: atypical for me absolutely
1: yeah and so a, another thing though as we kind of dissect this a little further, is it sounds like almost a, a fairy tale storybook ending? Like you guys met, it was the right time in your life, everything just clicked. We had drinks and dinner, then we move on, and the rest is history. We live happily ever after, and I know that <laughs> that was absolutely not the case at all. That there was a lot of work that went into your relationship and yourselves, and so. I'll start again with mom. If you could just place me like what was going on in your life and what, what were you working on for yourself at that point?
2: Okay. Good question. Well, I will just say that, um, in movies you have the meet cute part where they, they all, they meet, the music swells, they go and they get married. That's, all well and good, but that's the movies. And then they never tell you about what actually happens during that time and then afterwards. So that's a good question. The um, I guess uh, the best thing that I can say is um, we were both working on ourselves at that time. I was definitely working on myself. I had a career that was just beginning and I was a sales rep an account executive at WPLJ. So I was starting to come into my own after a very rough start. I was a music major and did not uh, care to pursue that. I wanted to go into the entertainment business. So I had to kind of zigzag and pivot to get to where I was. But when I was at WPLJ, I was feeling much more um uh secure in the direction that I was going in so I was work but I was working on it I was also working on my personal self in therapy um I had no idea that everyone in New York had a therapist seeing, seeing a therapist um I joined I joined in and I was uh very fortunate that it ge- it just awakened a whole lot of curiosity in me and a whole lot of commitment in me to Can I interject be better? very quickly here? Yeah.
1: What, so you decided to go to a therapist. I'm sure a lot went into that though, that it was, it wasn't just like an on the spot decision that you said, oh yeah, I actually think I could use some help. Like what, if we dig deeper into why you wanted to work with a therapist, what were like, what were you most struggling with at that point? <sighs>
2: I knew that I wanted to uh, to grow and didn't know how I was stuck. Mm-hmm. And I felt that I needed to seek professional help in order to get unstuck because what happens is you just, i at least for me, I was just sort of, um, the reel kept going over and over the same way. So I wanted to have um, a a really good relationship. I wanted to get married. I wanted to um, enjoy my life. I wanted to be financially secure. I had a lot of goals. And I also was very curious, wanted to learn. I really didn't know anything about the business world per se. I had been trained as a musician and a performer and an actress, and I really didn't know about the business side of things. So this was a real, um, an opportunity for me to grow and learn how, how does capitalism work? How does it, you know, what makes the world go round? And I was really curious, but at the same time I had to pay my bills. So I had to have something that was lucrative or that had upside and something that um, I would learn as I was going along. And I really fell into a, a great group of people there that were happy to teach me what I needed to learn and um, happy to pay me. <laughs> we had a, you know, a they were, they wonderful they experience. There was
3: they were such a great group of people that we've kept in touch over the years. It's really funny. Today, we are going to a reunion uh, this afternoon of that yeah, group. Yeah,
2: a little mini reunion. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Good people. Good people. Yeah, and, really and good people. Just, yeah, it was um,
3: such a fun group. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. So yeah, so that's what what brought me to that and then and so honestly it turned into through the years a coaching situation but I'm getting ahead of myself but that's really what you know what drew me to it was just the um the being stuck and and wanting to to open my mind and take a look at why I was stuck and how to get unstuck
1: well, thank you very much for sharing that. Mm-hmm. And now I want to kick it over to Dad to explore the same thing on your side. So it seemed like you know you had a nice job and you you met the woman eventually you're going to marry. And I know that you were still figuring out a lot about yourself. So like, where were you at, Dad, at that point in your journey? And if you would also like what inspired or what uh, ignited the curiosity to want to work with a therapist for you?
3: Um, It was not curiosity. (laughs) (laughs) It was survival. (laughs) Um, So I was, uh, you know, kind of stuck in, in every way, right? I was 30 years old. I, uh, my career was going nowhere, right? I was uh, in media research. Um, Actually, no, 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 that was before that. I was in a nonprofit um, with no career path at all. It was just basically like a placekeeper type of a thing. So there there was a couple of things that were happening. One, I saw other people my age that were starting to move on in their careers. They were starting to do things, right? Um, and then personally, I was just not able to have a relationship. I was just not connecting. I really wanted a relationship. I always knew I wanted to have a relationship. I wanted to have a family, but where I was in, and I, I just didn't have the right um, internal approach that would allow that so that's what that's what you know and i saw that you know in terms of the career other people were moving on relationships my brother was married by this time um and i loved you know gail um and you know i I was always close as you know with my brother and it became close with gail and i just saw um i just had that feeling that you know things were passing me by and I didn't know why, and that became the impetus to say I need to. It was I, I needed to uh, find out what was happening. Why was I so stuck? And so that's what got me into, you know, uh, seeing a therapist. Well, I was. I listened recently. I think it was Elizabeth Gilbert on on Tim
1: Ferriss, and she was talking about hospital workers and the the gravity of doing something like that and dealing with death and the most serious yes. parts of being a human and she said that even in those types of grave circumstances it's impossible to get through that without being able to laugh and have humor it yeah. will just the world can collapse on you if you're not able yeah. to laugh about it and mm-hmm. One of the greatest things that we can do, I think, as humans is to default to laughter. Like, if, if we take things too seriously, then life can become really, it could be a trek really quickly. You're doomed. So, yes. So, it's, yeah, it, that's, a, it's really beautiful that you guys have always been able to, no matter how tough times were between you, that you were always able to default to laughter and be able to make each other laugh. But, Another thing that I wanted to unpack with you guys as you were talking was that it not only was your relationship challenging, but raising two young children, me and Caroline, on top of that must have been very challenging and full of lessons learned. So, were there any specific experiences that you learned the most from when me and Caroline were little? And if you don't have something specific that comes to mind, maybe just what were, some general big lessons that you learned from being a parent.
3: Well, I mean, it's first of all recognizing that um, you may be little, but the 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 needs are very real, and with each whatever was going on, to just uh, you know listen and explore what it, whatever it was and And then, bring whatever we could from our experience to address it. I remember v- specifically one situation, Mikey, where you had uh i think copied someone else's homework. do you remember this yes and i and i remember i really wanted to make that point you 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 just said yeah what what's wrong there's nothing wrong with this it was just something it was easier to do it that way and um I don't, I don't understand why you would get upset about that. And I wanted to make the point to you that it starts, you know, that, that whenever you take the easy way, but it's not honest or it's not the, the, the way to go, it's not the, it's, there's a bigger truth. There's a bigger lesson there It starts small, you know, with just copying someone else's homework, but it's like with every situation you're faced with, you have a choice. Right. And it's easy to take the the route that's, you know, least resistance. And, you know, um, as long as you're not caught, you know, you'll be OK. And I just I that was the I remember that that was very important to make sure you were aware that it may have been easier at that point, but it would have made your life more difficult if you kept going that way and took the easy way as opposed to the the honest way. Of doing something. Mm-hmm. Uh, another specific one that comes to mind for
1: me, and I don't know if either of you remember this, was at the grocery store. You know, as you're checking out at any grocery store, they have all the different candies, they have gum, they have magazines that, right. uh, that <laughs> strategic strategically stuff to reach for. Yes, very yeah. strategically placed. And for a kid, uh, very easy to just grab one and hide. And I remember, I think it was at Shoprite in New City. I took something small, it was a little candy. It Again, to me, it wasn't a big deal. And as soon as we got out of ShopRite, I said, I took this candy. And I think I was with you, Dad. We walked right back inside and you made me say to the cashier that I took the piece of candy and I was really sorry and and that I wouldn't do it again. And uh, that it's very similar to the experience you were describing with the homework in that yeah, it wasn't something that was a huge deal at the time, but the principle was very important. And that is, that's something that has also stuck with me forever. But to kick I your, don't your even your remember mom, that. You don't remember that. I'm sure there were yeah. many, many moments that are eluding all three of us right now. But those, are, those right. two specifically come to mind for me like multiple times a year. And so, mom, are there any examples that come to mind for you? And it doesn't have to be a lesson that you taught me. It could just be a lesson that you learned in raising me and Caroline as well.
2: Um, I would say um, one of the things that stuck with me when you were kids, babies, was that I wanted to treat you like people, not babies. And that seemed to be something that really resonated with all of us. You were, I never treated you like a baby, you know, I, I treated you with even even before you could talk, I, and Caroline and um, I, I treated you like people when you were, crying i tried to find out what was going on and um and that was a lesson because it it, it bore fruit it was a very very good way to to uh to, to treat you because you then behaved like people and there wasn't that craziness of uh, you know spoiled you know throwing a tantrum there wasn't any of that because i think you felt that you were being heard listened to so listened yes. listen to Yes. And um, the other thing was, um, we, we had a very hectic life when you were younger. Up until you were in maybe middle, no, was it middle school? Yeah. I was working in New York City. Dad was traveling. He was on planes all the time. I was uh, running to New York every day. And I wanted to make sure that, um, first of all, I didn't want to feel guilt because I knew that uh, back at that time, There were a lot of women who worked and they felt guilty about doing it. And I didn't want to bring that into our family. I wanted to show you this is what a mom could do. A mom can work and a mom can be a mom. And it was uh, our babysitter because she she was my partner in that. Um, So I did not feel guilty at all. When I needed to take a day off to go on a field trip, I did. When I needed to show up for the, you know, Thanksgiving feast, I did. I made sure that I scheduled that into my week. And um, I also made sure that when I got home, I was completely paying attention to you and Caroline, so that if you wanted to uh, watch TV or read, we always read stories together, um, that that was our time. And then we, weekends we always were read, completely I yours. That. Yeah, we always read stories and, and it would lead to, you know, a lot of laughs and discussion and all that. And it was a nice way to sort of end the day. And then on weekends, we had activities with you and we did things with you. And um, so I didn't feel that, that guilt of, you know, am I, doing, am I doing the right thing? Am I working? I used to bring you in sometimes to to the office and make it fun you know we would go to uh the nba store and play basketball and it was a lot of fun (laughs) because i wanted you to see this is what this is what could be this is it's normal i wanted to normalize mommy working (laughs) and um so there was a lot there were a lot of moving parts and i tried to part of working on myself was to to um compartmentalize what is, you know, um what 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 can what is normal for you? What is normal for you and what is acceptable for you and not bring my own feelings of, oh, maybe I should have been there, you know, for this or that into our family.
3: I um, I remember also like being wanting to be very clear and not um not not give some bs answer if you or caroline would ask something i i remember specifically when 9-11 happened and talking to you in your room mikey and you of course you know were very scared that you know whether this was going to happen to us you know whether the a plane was going to crash into our house or, or whatever and rather than just give a blanket reassurance I just said it was very, very uh, unlikely that that's not, you know, that that that's not where this was going to happen. This was going to this happened because it was a very big target, right? And um, just along those lines, right? To just be clear and not give some some, uh, you know, whatever sweeping. Vague. everything is everything is fine the world can be dangerous the world has a lot of different at any given time there's always you know threats but you have to put them into perspective and so i remember wanting to make sure that you guys were okay but um that it wasn't something that you would at at any point feel like well that was a bs answer (laughs) Mm mm-hmm
1: (laughs)
2: <laughs>
3: well this this might seem like
1: a a weird left turn, but it to me it does deal with the authenticity that you guys cultivated and the no b s and that I didn't like being spoken to as a little kid. <laughs> Mom, can you tell the Kermit the
3: Frog story
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay we are we
3: using names
2: <laughs> no. No names. I just want to.
3: Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay. We. This was really funny. When when you went to kindergarten, right before that, you had to go in for an interview, and I remember thinking, "This is public school. This is not my friends who lived in New York, where they had to go for an interview to see if you're getting accepted. You're getting accepted, but they right. wanted an interview to see where you were. Uh, Which class developmentally, you were going to? I guess." Or, Right. Yeah, which class, whatever. So you and I went in and first of all, unbeknownst to us, you and I both had straps, which we found out later. <laughs> so we were feeling really not ourselves. But well, we went in and we were interviewed by one of the teachers. And what he, what he did was he held up a Kermit the Frog and he said, hi, Michael. No, 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 no. And he started talking as Kermit the Frog. And you were <laughs> you were going along for a little bit. <laughs> you were going along. You kept looking up at me like, what the heck is this? <laughs> and, and then you finally he asked one more question and you said to me, Do I have to keep talking to Kermit the Frog? <laughs> <I> said, no. <laughs> you do not have to keep talking to kermit i said you know what let's put kermit away Will, he you can just ask him a question he's okay he's fine so um it was it was very funny it really was um yeah. i don't know what he why'd you bring that up Mike? that was
1: <laughs> i it felt two reasons. One, it felt in line with the way that I was always communicated with was that I didn't want some like dressed up, fluffy, like I just wanted to be communicated directly with. So I I saw a, a teacher putting <laughs> on a puppet show
2: and I was thinking,
1: <laughs> why can't he just talk to me? Pers- I wasn't right. thinking this at the time, but as I look back with hindsight, I was probably thinking as a little kid, Why can't he just talk to me like a normal person? Because you guys did that from when I was a really little kid. Yes.
2: I think he, I think what what was the the attempt was to try and get you to relax or to get any of the students (laughs) that came in to relax and to, you know, to interact uh, rather than talking to you as a person and maybe it backfired (laughs) because. Because we never it's really It's not easy did that being we dream.
3: dream.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, another thing that comes to mind is that I was, I was very fearful of uh, a lot of people that were in costume, like the, the tumble yes, bee at the, the, the gymnastics place. And uh, yeah, I don't know what it was about that, but I never, even to this day, the I, tumble bee. I never liked uh, putting on something that I'm not. And other people playing the social game and small talk and all all these different things. Where I I don't know if that was is is that true? Like when I was little, was that always the case? Because it certainly
3: feels that way now too. Yeah, you hated the costume character, uh, thing. The tumblebee, which for parties, yeah. right? Yeah, but then
1: even Did in general, learn- like. Uh, faking it and, yeah, like, trying it. to, even if it was, like, keeping up with the Joneses or making small talk and saying things were good and putting on some sort of performance when things weren't really good, like, was I like that as a little kid, too?
2: You were always authentic and you're Very clear. Very clear, but you, it wasn't, it wasn't that you, that you, it cost you in any way in terms of friendships or in terms of, you know. Yeah, um, you always
3: had tons of friends.
2: Socialization. Yeah, you always had friends and you always um, spoke to adults and, you know, hi, how are you? You know, you did do the small talk when you, when you were in a social situation, but it was authentic small talk. It wasn't some crazy uh, put upon, put on show. It was a- authentic. So uh, that could have been also, I mean, it could have been partly us, but it could have been just the way you, you are, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that's just who you, who you always were. You were always pretty straight, straight and narrow, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
3: Okay. So
1: things seem to be in order now as a family, you, me and Caroline are in the fold. We are growing up. You guys are, you've worked through the toughest parts of your relationship and yourselves. Probably you've gotten through the crisis mode and we, I think all spoken about this before that a lot of times when we go into do work on ourselves, once we get through the crisis, the work then stops, we feel comfortable to just put that aside. Things are fine. And you guys have never stopped working on yourself. And even in present day, You've never stopped. You won't stop working on yourself. And from my vantage point, your relationship continues to evolve and grow every single year, and you guys grow a stronger connection every single year. What What do you think allowed you to do that, or how did you have the wherewithal to once you got through the crisis mode to keep going with it and know that this wasn't some destination that it was just going to be A journey that you'd be on forever, and we can start with uh, with that.
3: Um, because it was working, right? So I think what happens is most people face a crisis, and then they get through the crisis, and then they go back to you know a, a more comfortable, like let's just you know keep going on. But what I found is that the more that I read the more, you know, through therapy, examine things, um, the more I was learning and growing. And it was in a tangible way. So I wasn't making the same mistakes that I saw the way when I grew up of the things that were limitations. I mean, my, my you know, one of the things I wanted to mention, my mother was also, she's a very funny and very sweet and warm person, right? So I think that's where that kind of, you know, came into the, as well, although she was extremely anxious and everything, but um, you know, there was, I, I just wanted to mention <laughs> this mm-hmm. was not sure. all bad stuff. So um, it was really that the things that were happening were improving. Like you said, you know, it wasn't like we got through a crisis and, and everything was smooth sailing. It just, there's always different things, right, that you can deal with. And the more that you deal with them and come to a clarity, I mean, one of the things that sustained, you know, me and your mother was we both decided that rather, because the biggest thing that you do is you point the finger at somebody else, right? I think that's the biggest uh, pattern, the most common pattern that happens in a relationship. It's easy to identify the other Problems, the other, you know, whatever things that the other person is doing, and and blame them, right, and get upset about that, and get angry about that, and so we both came, we both decided, like we're not ending this relationship until we feel like we did what we needed to do for ourselves, right? That that we took care of the stuff that we wanted to get more resolution within ourselves, and I think that just taking that approach was something that kind of just we kept going with and 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 the results you know in 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 our personal lives you know mom and i have both switched careers um you know multiple times you know mom started out as a secretary before she got into sales and then she you know she had a really good sales career as you know in the radio business and then she got into real estate i you know, started out in uh, in research. You know, as I mentioned, in a nonprofit. Um, then I got into sales in media research, and then I came into the real estate business. So basically, I guess you could break it into three different phases of, of of the career. But we just kept working on what we needed to at that point, and and whether it was our relationship or whether it was in our careers, we saw the benefit of putting the energy and the time into making things better and they really did get better right so you can't argue with the results and it makes you want to keep doing that where i think where most people get stuck is they perceive it as it's so much work and it's so scary like what are you going to find right if you start facing your fears and looking, you know, opening that door, what's there? You know, that's pretty, that, that's not something you want to do. And it wasn't like one giant, like, you know, let's open up this crazy box of of craziness and, and then deal with it all at once. It was just not like that. It was just like, you know, you just keep dealing with stuff. And then the more that you dealt with it and got a better perspective and then just kept building on that, I think that's where it kind of came from.
1: Hmm. Thank you, Dad, and Mm -hmm. dearest mother.
2: Um, I think it's absolutely correct. There's some, some saying, you go as far as you can see and then when you get there, go again as far as you can see and then when you get there, go as far. So you keep going from every point that you get to. So we, you first of all, you have to own your own your own issues. If you start pointing the finger, which every single person does, they say, "Well, if it wasn't for him, he made me do this." And, you know, <laughs> he's this, he's that. Um, you can keep doing that until the cows come home, and you will never you'll never have that relationship because when somebody's blaming you, how how are you going to feel warm toward them? So you have to say, "Okay, let me." Let me deal with my stuff. Let me find out what I'm doing to contribute to whatever is happening. And if you're both doing that and you're both owning up to it and you're both expressing that to each other, it brings you closer together. So we were both so committed to this, um, to to our growth, to our mindset, to, you know, and and when we... Made that commitment to ourselves and to each other, it just kept getting better and it built on, it was like building blocks. So we got a little better here and then we got a little better from there and then we got a little better from there. And as you see those results, it makes you want to continue and keep going. So we had, um, well, I can speak for myself. I had blind faith because I knew that he was a good human being. And that he was working on it so hard. And if I didn't see that, I don't know if we would be together. And if he didn't see that for me, I don't know if we would be together because a relationship requires a lot of work. It's a it's a verb. It's not something that you just put into, you know, yeah, I mean, movies and books and (laughs) rom-coms, which I'm a huge fan of. They 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 make it look easy.
3: A huge fan.
2: (laughs) Huge, huge, but they make it look easy, and it's work. It's work, but work sounds like unpleasant, but it's not if you look at it as curiosity and growth and improvement and excitement and uh, you know opportunity, and if you look at it that way. And you look at it, you change your mindset about the work, then it becomes fun. And then if you inject more fun into it, then it becomes, you know, all of a sudden you're married to your best friend. And um, it just, you know, it, it grows and it changes and it morphs and it never stays the same. And it requires every day looking at it every day.
3: And we are also, as you know, like just very different people right? So one of the things that your mother always did was, I think she spoke about it earlier, she always had, you know, big uh, vision, big Mm -hmm. dreams. And I did not. I was like, you know, like, uh, you know, counting and, you know, just trying to put it, keep everything together kind of a thing. I didn't, I didn't have that. I didn't come from that. Didn't, I didn't, I don't know, I guess I didn't feel entitled to to dream big uh, in terms of like those types of goals. Um, And she manifested a lot of the stuff that we have in our life. You know, Mm -hmm. she just, like she, she mentioned, you know, she always wanted a beach house and this past year we got one. And that, you know, obviously that didn't just happen. You know, it was a lot of hard work to, to, to get there. And it started with really having, that as a goal as, as a dream and then i saw that if you because again like oh you know you don't want to overextend yourself and you know all these other things but we put ourselves in a position where we we could and um and then there's the other parts of it you know it's something we enjoy sharing you know it, it's great for our family it, it, you know we're starting to see now with you know with friends coming it's it's just a lot of fun and um so it's it's really i don't know i guess it's coming being two different people you you kind of can see what the other person speaking for myself you know the, the the qualities that mom had it was very uh i i found it very important that you know mm-hmm. that i could attach myself to that
2: <laughs> um you have to uh, based on what he's saying, of course, you have to visualize something. I think before it happens, you have to you have to see it in your mind to manifest it. But on this, you know, on the other hand, um, one of the things that I really admire about Dad is that he doesn't let me, you know, go too straying too far from reality, which I might have had it not been for, you know, he's got, he's grounded in reality. This is what we can do. This is what we, you know, and for me, I have so many lofty goals. They're all over the <laughs> place. So, you know, I want this, I want this, I want that, you know, and, and, um, most of them have to do with, uh, you know, improving our lives and sharing yes. good times with people and uh, enjoying, you know, celebrations and, um, those are the things that, uh, that I really love to do, but I could, you know, I could go crazy and he sort of brings me back to reality. So we, we kind of balance each other that way.
3: So we didn't wind up in the poorhouse. <laughs>
1: <Well,
2: laughs> Bottom line.
1: <laughs> what's really funny as you guys are saying this is I'm <laughs> this really weird combination of both, right? I think that I have the I'm like very ground level tactical, uh, especially when I was younger and even into like early into my career by the numbers. If I don't see it, then it's not real. Analytical. And also I have this like weird lofty, every, everything's a shiny object. I got these big visions <laughs> and <laughs> I'm this amalgamation of like both of your qualities. And uh, it's really funny to see both of them combined but it's also a big reason that you got aligned in so many ways, but you're also such different, distinct, unique personality types few more questions i i wrote okay. i wrote a bunch down as you guys were talking one that came to mind is uh, what's your favorite i know that you guys adore each other but what's your favorite quality in the other person and mom you can go about dad first
2: okay i would say his sense of humor mm-hmm. he's funny He's Do you really have a, is there a specific
1: and, a specific moment that you remember where uh, he made you laugh in the tough situation or a- anything at all? If not, then it's
2: okay. You know, it happens all the time. So every now and then, you know, we have a shorthand, and every now and then we'll say something, and um, and we'll just both laugh because uh-huh. we because we work together and we live together, and you know, so there's a sort of a shorthand there. I I can't think of anything specific just that um I really enjoy making him laugh because I I want to I because I think I'm pretty funny and I don't know well, if he thinks I I'm mean, funny.
3: Something you know fun you know but when when you I land it, it's really good.
2: Yeah. But, right. uh, but when he laughs then I know I've got him. So um <laughs> But anyway, yeah, his sense of humor. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay. And dad, what's your favorite quality about mom?
3: I think it's just, she's such, I just always felt she was a really good person. You know, like even with the, the, from that we're getting together at that bar, we immediately had this rapport. And she, I think, you know, you see, like people love talking to your mom, right? She's just Mm -hmm. a very empathetic, loving person. Mm and she, and she really just wants to do good. She wants to be a good person. She wants to take care of other people. Um, you know, uh, she just comes from a really good place. And, uh, that was always very important to me to have that, you know, and strip away the other stuff, you know, earlier in our marriage and when we get together all of the, stuff that would get in the way, the anger, the anxiety, you know, all the things that you could, that it just, it just got in the way. And so you can easily lose the more important things, right? The, more, uh, the What's, what's, what's the true person that's there? If you could get rid of some of this other stuff that's going on or minimize it or, or come to understand it or whatever. And I think that was always very um, important to me. And And, you know, I would say the same thing also, like we've always laughed uh, about stuff. I mean, there's no shortage of tension in the world, in, you know, in whatever, in in whatever specific things that you're involved in. We both have had pretty good careers, you know, and so there's always a lot of, you know, stresses that would come up all those years commuting and stuff. And so being able to, uh, at some point, laugh about it, hopefully it, it happened mm-hmm. sooner than later, but <laughs> I think that happened more over the years. So we we, we got to it yeah. quicker than, <laughs> you know, staying stuck in all the other crap. And um, yeah. that was always important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, this, this next
1: one's kind of a, a two-parter, but in my experience, what really makes a relationship is the kind of test of going through tough times together, right? So like, as you, as you alluded to, Mom, with rom-coms, it can feel like, you know, a, an ideal relationship is just uh, we go on these magnificent dates and we go out to lavish dinners and life is just easy and frictionless. And we know that that's not what a real relationship is, that going through tough times and challenges are what fortifies the relationship, kind of like a diamond. Yes. So do you, are there any specific challenges that you remember in your relationship that you're extremely grateful for now that became maybe some sort of turning point or proved how strong the relationship was?
3: I... I don't think it was a specific I'm I'm not recalling any specific moments. There's, I I remember um feeling like all was lost, you know, in the relationship and that we were just in a really difficult place. I remember talking to um I some somebody that I work with we were at a convention, Craig Harper. And Craig was a really good guy. Unfortunately, he passed away a, a number of years ago from cancer. Um, but he had been divorced, and he had one son. And he told me, he said, uh, "Whatever you do, like make sure you really, really, really think hard before you take that, make that choice. If you, if you were going to get a divorce," he said, "because the, it was a horrible." and i remember that was a contribution to i'm going to get to the bottom of my own stuff before you know blowing up what we had the relationship or pointing the finger and saying you know it was all you know it was all mom's fault um and then saying like the goal was to to try and keep everything until you keep everything going, until you felt like it wasn't possible anymore. And even though that was a pretty dark place at the time, it was it was great advice. It was great advice that somebody that had been through a divorce saying, this is not what you want, trust me. This is not the, the, this. You, know, you could read about it, I had read about it, but to talk to somebody that you liked and respected and who had been through that ha- had that experience that was, I remember that being very significant for me.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: is it easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a tough one to
1: follow. Dad, thank you. Thank you so much for uh, opening up about that. that. That one of all the times that Caroline and I uh, give you grief about repeating stuff, that one is one that we've never heard before. So thank you for uh, sharing that. Mm -hmm. is anything coming to mind for you mom
2: um i just want to say i've heard that one before (laughs) 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 um you know
3: when you were ready to kill alan (laughs) what made you decide not to pull the trigger
2: i i made a commitment to myself i mean i had said that to him um there was one time when we had a conversation. We were in um, Phoenix, and he was. Um, oh yeah. Remember that one, and he was yeah. like, "Ah, oh, I don't know. You know, we've been fighting so much." It, it reminded me, actually, when we watched um, Blackish when they separated, um, it reminded me of of that a little bit. Where, um, where are you going? <laughs> You're floating around.
3: <laughs> oh, because Rocky was climbing up. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to get into the um, act as usual.
2: Yes, of course he does. But um I remember we
3: yeah, we were there.
2: You were you were in a in a uh on a Conference. business trip and I was yeah. there and there, another couple met us there, right? They were from Right. California. It was at the
3: Phoenician, yeah. which is a really, really the beautiful Phoenician. resort. In, Gorgeous. In, and uh, I was so happy
2: to be there.
3: Arizona. Camelback yeah. Mountain. Is right near oh,
2: the gorgeous place so we were in the hotel room and we were having this really deep conversation where you know dad was just feeling down about you know oh are we ever going to get through this i don't know if we are and i said to him um i'm going to the pool <laughs> <laughs> i said i'm going to go to the pool he was like maybe we should maybe we should talk about you know um, possibly separating. And I said, okay, well, where are you going to live? And he goes, I don't know. And I said, oh, <laughs> okay. Well, then I'm going to the pool. will <laughs> see you later.
3: Yeah, her I question scared. was like, obviously you haven't thought this through.
2: Yeah, I said so. to him, I'm not going anywhere. So I'm here for the duration and I'm working on myself. So you, what you would like to do is, Completely up to you, but that's where I stand now. I'm going to the pool. (laughs) So, (laughs) and he laughed. It was
3: somewhat somewhat deflating of the extreme pain that I was in, you know, having all these like really hard, dark thoughts and and everything, like everything just seemed so bleak. And then she said, Okay, well, you know, um, I'll never keep your kids from you and I hope you figure it out <laughs> I'm, going <to> <laughs> I'm going to the
2: pool I, I want to go to the pool the sun is out <laughs>
3: like I was in such a bad place and she was you know that, that was illustrative of like who she was she, she always like knew how to have a good time we were with friends you know we're in this gorgeous place and she said you know I'm really sorry that you're like really having all these bad thoughts and feelings but you know let's I'm gonna step out, go have some fun for the afternoon, <laughs> right. and hope you know, I'll see you later, okay?
2: <laughs> Either at the pool or at dinner, whichever. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs>
1: well, that one, right. that one, your son has heard before, but it's yes. it's a really it's a wonderful story. It's an amazing story, and not at the, the
3: time it wasn't. <laughs>
1: it,
2: it, well, it didn't it, bother me in the least. It really didn't. I didn't. I felt I that. You know he just feels things so deeply, and I felt he was just looking for like uh, some kind of um, relief, you know some some kind of relief from feeling frustrated at you know whatever the slow the progress was that we were making was slow, it was slow. It takes a long time to get to get a hold of your stuff. You have to mm-hmm. really be committed to it. and so you keep making these mistakes. And even though they're less frequent, you still make them and it still feels bad. And yeah, you have to just, you ha- it's blind faith. You have to have that blind faith that it's going to work out if you're both working on it. If one is working on it and the other one isn't, that's a question mark. You and have you to have see a, how that you goes. have a problem, right. Yeah. You may, you may have a problem. You have to see. Right,
1: mm-hmm. right. Well, that leads into the second part of my question, which is
2: mm-hmm.
1: you, I think you both know pretty well that a lot of these challenges are what made your relationship. And a lot of the toughest things you went through in your life are are what taught you the most important lessons. And as a mm-hmm. parent, that must be very challenging to watch your kids go through that same thing. It, the temptation must be, to want to alleviate the pain and remove all the obstacles, and yet yeah. there's also yeah. like a deeper part of you that knows that that those are they need to go through. Michael and Caroline need to go through those obstacles. They need life to challenge them to beat them up a little bit. And the the question for me is, what's <laughs> what's it like as a parent to have to watch your kid figure it out and not want? Yeah, it's really.
3: <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's not easy, right. You, you know, especially for mom and I, you know, we want to make things right. want to fix things. And, but I know it's the deeper, the, the deeper, um, benefit is that, and just what you were talking about when you face challenges is when you really grow. And why I would, I would hate to have deprived the, the, the two most precious, you know, of well, three precious people, but I mean of my kids, right? That deprive you of that because it is where you really learn. And you can talk till the cows come home. Talk is, it's, it's the doing, right? No matter what we said, you guys were watching what we did. You know we both mm-hmm. knew that. Mom and I both knew that. And now that you're you know building your own lives as adults, the things that you're facing, it would be depriving you to if to to jump in and th- throw things at the things that you're facing of your own growth of that you would you know growth comes from you know going through barriers, going over barriers, you know. Experiencing what it's like to come up against something and then being able to find the way to to resolve it. So it's it's difficult as a parent to make yourself, you know, not go there, not do that, right? Not not jump in to, to fix things. But it's I know it's the better way to go.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The um Maybe? yeah the. The biggest obstacles that I faced in my life while they were really unpleasant at the time turned out to be great gifts for me because I realized that I could figure things out and I could I had the resources inside me to deal with adversity and that confidence is only available to somebody who has adversity. Yes. So every time I want to fix things for my children, I remind myself of that and I say, well, you know, they know we love them. They know we're here for them, but they have to know that they can do this. And the only way that they can know that is if we let them do it. And Mm -hmm. you and your sister are extremely capable of handling your lives that is obvious and that is um and that's a gift for us so we have to just you know get out of your way basically and <laughs> stay out of your way um and and provide you know the fun stuff and the connecting stuff and the loving stuff and let you guys figure things out and if you need to talk to anybody we're here but we can't, we can't, like he said, we can't fix it. We, we don't want to fix it. You're capable. Right. We don't have to fix it. Exactly. And I've seen people, you know, other parents who do that for their children. They, they jump in, um, they fix things, they, they make it go away. And I think it will catch up. It may be not now, but it will catch up with them later. And they may not believe in themselves Um, in their own abilities to handle the things that come up in life. And there are a lot of things that come up in life that are not great. Losses, sickness, uh, loss of job, loss of, you know, whatever. There are all kinds of unexpected obstacles that come up. Better to let the kids deal with those things and, and look inward and get those resources out themselves.
3: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Well. I think that we covered just about all the ground that I wanted to cover. There's a reason I was looking forward to having this conversation. You, you guys, uh, you guys delivered the goods and uh, you have, you you really did. You have, you have so much wisdom to share and um, I'm really grateful to be your son. And uh, I have just one final question for you both. The, The podcast is called Mike's search for meaning. I've, As you both very well know, I've been on a quest, especially the last couple of years, to figure out like what's my place in the world and what really constitutes a meaningful life for me. But I'm going to ask every guest on the show, what is a meaningful life to them? How would they define it? And so I want to ask each of you, how would you define a meaningful life in your words? We'd go mom first.
2: So a meaningful life for me is one that you are um, financially secure enough that you can give back to various causes that you are not worried about your own survival so that you may give and you may uh, contribute in different ways. And being in a helping job right now is part of that. And being a Rotarian is part of that for me and also connecting in a meaningful way with people who bring you, who lift you up and bring you joy. And that would be my family, my friends and to be sure to surround myself with people that do that. And I will do that for them and they will do that for me. And Um, That to me is a meaningful life where you really, you know, where it's purposeful in that way. Mm
3: -hmm. I think for me, it's um, the relationships that you have uh, and that whatever you've done with your life, that you're leaving the world a better place than the one that you came into. Um, I'm very proud of the people you and your sister are. And I think there's a ripple effect, you know, you, 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 obviously, you know, mom and I had a, a big, um, influence on whatever good or, or bad on, on what was going to happen for you and your sister. And I think it's important that you want to have that as a goal right? To, um, I don't know, just put as much um, good things out into the world as you can and then see where that goes.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I love you both so much. And um, I'm so grateful that you chose me as your son and that I get to learn from two incredible people since day one. I, I think a lot of people have to search their whole life for mentors and and best friends and to grow up with two of them my whole life has been such an incredible blessing. And I feel like it's almost my duty to share that gift with the rest of the world. And that's a a big part of my journey and, and my venture is that I want everyone to kind of experience what I've been able to experience. It just it means the entire world to me. So Thank you for being my parents, for being my best friends, for being the people that you are,
0: and for being on my podcast. I love you both so much. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to Mike's search for meaning. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, share this episode with your friends, and leave a review. I look forward to seeing you next time, my friends. And until then, stay safe, stay
2: well, and keep living with purpose.